The Midday Report. I'm Mandy Wiener. Keep listening as we round up the key stories affecting your world with interviews with newsmakers, in-depth analysis and eyewitness news reporters on the ground. The Midday Report. The death toll following the cholera outbreak in Hammond's Kral has now risen to 21 people that have lost their lives. Uh, the uh, the Water Affairs Minister and the Tswane Mayor are about to have a press conference that's due to start at 12.30 today. But also the Health Minister, Joe Pakla, is on his way to Jubilee Hospital in Hammond's Kral. The Deputy Minister also uh, joining the Minister. They are going to have a look at the situation there. Let's check in with Foster Mohale, the Department of Health spokesperson Foster, good afternoon to you. Uh, this, of course, is an extremely concerning situation. The death toll now rising to 21. Both the Minister of Health and the Deputy Minister of Health are on their way to Hamanskral. Yes, uh, thank you very much, Mindy, uh, 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 and uh, good afternoon to your listeners, and thanks for this opportunity. Let me start uh, by taking this opportunity to uh, once more express uh, words of condolences to the families uh, of uh, 21 people uh, in Amankral and one uh, family in uh, Free State uh, for the loss of their beloved one, but also uh, remember to extend also the speed recovery wish to all those who are still uh, admitted in a number of uh, facilities around the country. But also, yes, indeed, uh, the Minister of Health, Dr. Joe Patra, has landed this morning from Geneva from the World Health Assembly, as we remember that uh, the Minister of Home Affairs, Dr. Aaron Mutualeng, has been acting as the Minister of Health while the Minister was out of the country. So he has landed this morning, he went straight to Hamaskra to see for, the, for himself the situation in Hamaskra. Okay, thank you very much, uh, Foster. We will uh, check in, of course, uh, with uh, with you and with the minister as well uh, once uh, that that has happened. Foster Mohale, the Department of Health spokesperson, speaking to us there. The minister and the deputy minister on their way to Jubilee Hospital. Uh, as I said, the Water Affairs Minister and the Tuane Mayor also due to have a briefing. Tabiso Goba, EWN reporter, is uh, waiting for that one. Tabiso, good afternoon to you. Thank you very much for your time. Uh, what are the expectations there ahead of this briefing today? Well, good afternoon, Mandy. Well, you know, uh, we do know that um, sort of um, the, the issue uh, with this whole water crisis stems from the Royval uh, Wastewater Treatment Plant. Um, so you, we, we know that um, it's it, it likely to cost uh, above uh, 3 billion rand just to um, refurbish and upgrade the plant. Now, this is the money that the China municipality does not have. So we are expecting that... Um, the national government, uh, the Department of Water and Sanitation, will come up with a plan of how to finance that. As you know, Mandy, um, the national government does have a number of options which are not necessarily available uh, to local government. They can declare, um, you know, a national state of disaster, which uh, might expedite, you know, those discretionary funds, but also expedite those uh, long protracted uh, tender processes, uh, which obviously come with its own issues. But um, we are expecting um, some sort of plan and how um, the Royal Wastewater Treatment Plant is going to be fixed. Uh, and, and importantly, Tabiso, what we're seeing here is collaboration between local government and national government, uh, between the DA and the ANC, Celia's Brink, of course, from the Democratic Alliance, the Water and Sanitation Minister, Senator Mtkuno, from the ANC. Uh, there's been a lot of finger-pointing, a lot of accusations made here, but finally it looks like some collaboration. 
Yes, it's 100%, Mandy. And I think it's, it's important to mention that, uh, you know, Tswana is a DA-led uh, municipality. Uh, it's led by a DA coalition, uh, I mean. Um, but there has been appetite to work with both the provincial and the national government. As you will know that um, during the State of the City address, uh, the mayor announced that there are actually um, experts from National Treasury um, who are in within the Tswana to help them, to assist them with their books. Um, they're also going to get more uh, an, an acting chief financial officer from Treasury uh, up until they appoint a permanent one. So we also, so also this um, today, sort of like um, you know another um, example of um, this uh, DA coalition government working with uh, the national government, which is run by the ANC. So um, uh, you know the Minister of Water and Sanitation said that this issue of Royval, um, you know, was first picked up in 2004. You know, as we know, uh, since 2004, there's been successive administrations uh, here in Tswane, both ANC and DA, that have not dealt with the issue. So, you know, um, there is finger pointing, but there's also a collaboration that we are starting to see. Tabiso, thank you very much. Tabiso Goba, EWN reporter. So we are waiting for that briefing uh, from the Twani Mayor Silias Brink and the Water and Sanitation Minister Senzo Mkunu. I'm sure the Health Minister, uh, Joe Pachla, will also be uh, speaking today after visiting Jubilee Hospital. And as Tabiso said, this really does come down to, to the issue around the, the Royval Wastewater Treatment Plant. And you would have read and heard by now that this has all been stuffed up, basically, because of, of tender fraud. So they need two and a half billion rand to effectively fix that. They haven't got the money in Tswane. So the national government has made a commitment to to try and uh, come in and and help uh, and make sure that that is sorted out. So that's what they need to do is sort out the Royval plant so that they can get this going. That tender amounting to 295 million rand was awarded to companies belonging to Edward Sodi, Edwin Sodi for the upgrade of the upgrade of the treatment plant. Um, they didn't have any experience. Nothing happened, and we've seen this movie before. And ultimately, now that means that 21 people have died of cholera. The Midday Report. Nursing students in Gauteng are protesting at the Krasani Baragwanath Academic Hospital today. Uh, this is over some miscommunication between the students and the Provincial Department of Health, or that's at least how it's been presented. The students are unhappy about a decision over placements for their practical work. The Gauteng Health Department saying its academic program would end in May and the students won't be placed at medical facilities until they write uh, an exam again in November. Well, let's have a listen to the Health and Allied workers in Daba Trade Union Gauteng chairperson Bafana Shabalala addressing students outside the Chris Hani Baragwanath Nursing College as the protest continues. Um, this thing started on the 27th of March when we marched to the Department of Health and one of our demands was that they retain the R171 students that are going to complete their training now in May. However, the department has not engaged us, has not responded to that part, but instead they've been arrogant. I know that they've released a statement claiming numerous things. However, they claim that one, they don't have 77 million, but all that we want is 8 million. We don't know how it got to 77 million. Two, they are saying there was a cost extension for these students during COVID, but it was not because of the students. It was because of their incompetencies. It was because of their college could not provide online learning and students had no other option but to stay at home. They are now claiming that they are engaging South African Nursing Council, the regulator that has set the licensure exam, but they are a stakeholder in that part. The principal of this college is a stakeholder and is 
representing the department, they, when the decision of the licensure exam was taken, they were fully involved and they knew the repercussions of that decision. So they cannot today come and cry foul when they failed to cry foul at the inception when this concept of a licensure exam was brought. Let's speak to EWN reporter Gloria Motswere, who is outside the Chris Harney Baragwanath Hospital for us. Gloria, uh, what are the protesters there, the nursing students, saying? Good afternoon, Mandy. The students here are saying that there has been a lot of miscommunication between them and the department because when they initially applied for this program, they were made promises were made, but now that the program has come to an end, they're now sitting here and they don't know what they're supposed to do. One of the main things that they brought up was the fact that when they initially signed the contract, the licentiate exam that they now have to take in November was not initially part of the contract that they signed. They were not told about this exam. They were only told about this exam six months ago, just when they were about to finish their program. So now they received their results yesterday, and as of today, they are officially unemployed. They're going to have to sit at home for the next six months until they they, pay, they they write the exam that they have to pay for. If they don't have that close to 800 rand to pay for that exam, they can only write it next year in May. So those are some of the challenges that they're raising right now to say they cannot go back home when they don't even have their qualifications because they are unable to even go to, priv- to the private sector to apply for jobs. And what is the Department of Health saying about this? The department is basically saying that the students are demanding that they pay the the stipend that they've been getting for the next six months until they write their exam and they're able to be absorbed into the system as practicing nurses. But now the problem is that this is going to require 8 million rand that the department does not have. And it also goes back to the initial contract that they signed where the department only agreed to funding the students for three years in their in their program only as students. Whatever happens after that is not the responsibility, if I can put it like that, is not the responsibility of the the, the department because their contract ends as soon as the, 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 they receive their results. Gloria, thank you very much. Uh, Gloria Motswere, who's outside the Chris Harney Baragwanath Hospital, where new nursing students in Gauteng are protesting today. On 702 and Cape Talk, this is the Midday Report with Mandy Wiener. Brought to you by NetBank Commercial Banking. Specialists who enable your business growth aspirations. SAFTU, uh, the Trade Union Federation, today picketing outside the Department of Public Enterprise Buildings in Pretoria. Uh, they want to stop the minister from appealing the ruling that has instructed the Department of Public Enterprises, that's Minister Praveen Gordon, to exempt public schools and healthcare facilities and police stations from load shedding. Remember that judgment uh, handed down a couple of weeks ago. SAFTU says, uh, and uh, we had Zwillendima Vavi on the show a couple of weeks ago, saying how disappointed they were with the Minister of Public Enterprise that they were appealing this ruling. Alpha Ramashwana, EWN reporter there for us. Alpha, good afternoon to you. What is Safdu saying about uh, this decision by the minister to appeal the ruling? Good afternoon, Mandy. Of course, uh, the Trade Union Federation Safdu is really not happy with uh, Pravin Gordon's decision to appeal this ruling. They are saying that this is probably an attempt from the minister and the departments to mask their failures to, you know, uh, stop load shedding uh, and the energy crisis in South Africa. They are basically saying that uh, Mr. Private Gordon is uh, channeling resources that he's meant to use to fight the energy crisis 
uh, you know, to appeal the judgment. So they are saying that instead of appealing this judgment, he could be working hand in hand with the electricity minister uh, uh, to look for ways to uh, ending the energy crisis. And we did hear uh, Mr. President Gordon mention that uh, this judgment will uh, basically uh, give problems to their plans of uh, stabilizing the national grid. But Safdu says this is not true. They are just basically trying to mask their own failures as the department and the fact that they are unable to work properly as uh, the Minister of Electricity, the Minister of Public Enterprises, uh, and the Minister of Energy. And they are blaming basically uh, all these three ministers are, uh, for not being able to work together uh, to make sure that they are able to find a solution to the energy crisis. But let's take a listen to what else uh, spokesperson for staff uh, to Travashaku had to say about uh, President Gordon's decision to appeal this judgment. Actually, what is happening is an engineering of a crisis so that they can go forward in privatizing energy provision in the country. So those engineers have come out to say the electricity crisis, this, which, is, uh, uh, which is unfolding through load shedding, can be fixed within no time. And this can, can be done if they focus on maintenance, they can focus on ensuring that they bring to life the units which are not existing which are not operational in that particular institution as we speak. That's Alpha Ramashwana speaking to us there, uh, where Saftu is picketing outside the Department of Public Enterprises. They don't want the minister to appeal that ruling that schools and hospitals and police stations should be exempt from load shedding. The Midday Report. So just as we came on air, I told you there was some breaking news, and this had to do with the designation of the powers for the electricity minister, the presidency putting out a statement saying that President Cyril Ramaphosa has, in terms of Section 97 of the Constitution, signed a proclamation that transfers to the Minister of Electricity certain powers and functions entrusted by the Electricity Regulation Act. Uh, it goes on to say that after due consideration, the President has transferred to the Minister of Electricity all powers and functions contained in Section 34.1 of the Electricity Regulation Act, which were previously entrusted to the Minister of Minerals, Resources and Energy. Long story short is that a substantial uh, r- r- substantial amount of the powers and the responsibilities that used to belong to Gwede Mantashe now bl- belong to Jose and Ramachopa. Not all, but certainly a lot of them. There are all sorts of political ramifications for this. Let's speak to Ndaezo Letonje, EWN reporter. Now, Ndaezo, good afternoon to you. Uh, this statement dropped. There, there was supposed to be a briefing earlier with the Minister of Electricity. Um, that didn't uh, didn't materialize. Um, but this has been a long time coming. We, we knew that at some point the president had to act here. Yeah, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm suspecting that the reason why the briefing by the electricity minister was... Uh, uh, cancelled, it was because of uh, this statement. He would have uh, put the cut before the horse um, while he knew that this proclamation was going to happen. But essentially, like you mentioned there, um, the electricity minister now has powers to determine new generation capacity and how it must happen. But the critical thing that I saw there, uh, Mandy, was that while the determination is within Kosen uh, Ramukupa's power, um, the implementation uh, would be with Gwede Mantashe. So essentially, uh, like you mentioned, a lot of the powers now sit with Jose and Ramukupa, but implementation of those determinations on how to generate new electricity mm. would still need to be implemented by uh, the energy minister in Gwede Mantashe.
I'm sure we'll, uh, we'll unpack this over time, but, but basically what it says is that the minister uh, determines the new generation capacity that's needed to ensure the continued uninterrupted supply of electricity, and he can determine the types of energy sources. Uh, that's crucial that Jose Ansura Mahopa can yeah. now do that. But as you say, it goes on further in the statement to say that uh, other powers and functions contained in the Electricity Regulation Act, including those related to the implementation of determinations made in terms of section 34 will remain with the minister of mineral resources and energy and this is this is very delicate it's very complicated so Rabakopa can decide what kind um, and what new generation capacity we get but Gwede Mantashe still uh, looks after implementation and then Provident Gordon still looks after ESCOM yeah that's exactly it and I think uh the president there was trying to play a balancing act. Do you remember there were those reports of Gwede uh, Mantashe daring the president to say, should you take uh, these uh, powers away from me, uh, I might as well resign. So I think uh, the president was trying to play a balancing act. But the, the fact that now Hossein has got the powers to determine that says a lot because uh, essentially, uh, issues around IPPs, how uh, uh, some of these power-generating uh, coal power stations will be uh, implemented or even the, the, the decommissioning of them over time. They lie now with uh, Hossein Soramokopa. And it's going to be very challenging, I think, uh, to, to deal with this because the one can stifle the other in terms of the three ministers that you mentioned in terms of uh, implementation or even getting new electricity because while determination may be made, uh, Mantashe may just come and say, well, I actually don't think we should implement this. Uh, it's an it's a interesting situation, I'll, I'll say that. Um, but then, of course, you also have political ramifications here because Gwede Mantashe uh, and uh, Soro Ramaphosa within the ANC. Um, are we now going to see a, a standoff? Is this going to escalate the relationship between Gwede Mantashe and Soro Ramaphosa? Well, Mandy, President Soro Ramaphosa has essentially stripped uh, Gwede Mantashe of certain powers that he had, and having Godan in in this whole uh, issue, there are political ramifications that will, uh, are going to be there. Um, there have been reports that uh, the the relationship between uh, Mantashe and uh, the president has been on shaky ground. But Josenzo uh, Ramokopa says he, Mantashe, and Godan, as well as the president, met to the, uh, some time back to discuss this issue, uh, basically insinuating that a determination would have, uh, would have been made uh, and a consensus would have been reached by all four of them, uh, in specifically related to the powers that Jose uh, Antoramukhupa uh, has. Ndaezo, thank you very much. Ndaezo Netonje, EWN reporter, speaking to us there. I want to read you one more line from the statement. Uh, right at the end, it says, The Minister of Electricity will, as the President indicated in the State of the Nation address, oversee all aspects of the electricity crisis response, including the work of the National Energy Crisis Committee. This will provide a single point of command for government's efforts to close the shortfall in electricity supply. So effectively what he's saying there is that the Minister of Electricity, Hossein 
and Sora Mahopo will be ultimately responsible. But what this also allows, because there are, there are, is this overlap, it allows the ministers to point the finger at each other. Uh, and I think that will be the real concern. A huge developing story there. We were waiting for this to happen. But finally, the president acting and giving some of those powers in terms of new generation capacity to the Minister of Electricity. The Midday Report. We've got so many tweets in responding to this decision by the president to transfer uh, the powers of new generation from Gwere Mantashe to Jose Ensora Mahopa. King Spoo says, it's so interesting that implementation sits in a different ministry, Mandy Wiener, because we all know that in South Africa we have beautiful, shiny plans, but implementation is where we falter. Placing implementation outside the grasp of the electricity minister is setting him up for failure. I agree with that one. And then CDE Langer says, we don't have power, but the minister of no electricity, <laughs> that's funny, uh, finally has his powers gazetted. Moving some loot, I mean powers, away from Gwede, guess it is just redistribution of wealth still no CEO for ESCOM because it's not that urgent. Uh, and uh, sure, send those car power ships packing. Lots of reaction there to this announcement. The Midday Report with Mandy Wiener of 702 at Cape Talk. Brought to you by NetBank Commercial Banking. See money differently. Really interesting developments happening in Nelson Mandela Bay today. Uh, there is supposed to be a council meeting today because there is a motion of no confidence in the Nelson Mandela Bay mayor, Ratif Urendal, that's been uh, moved by the EFF and the ANC. There was a court application that was brought this morning, and uh, the decision by the court was that uh, this meeting must proceed. But what's interesting for me is that we've seen some residents of Nelson Mandela Bay actually protesting in support of the mayor, Ratif Urendal. Uh, so they've been burning tires and blocking uh, blocking some roads, calling for Ratif Urendal to stay in his post uh, amidst fears that political instability would delay service delivery, which is exactly what we're seeing in, in, in Joburg and in Ikuruleni and Swani as well. Let's speak to Ntikulelo Koryo, who's a politics reporter at the Herald newspaper in Krabeja. Ntikulelo, good afternoon to you. Thank you for your time today. Um, well, well, let us know, where are we at the moment? moment with this council sitting today. Is it going ahead? Good afternoon, Mandy, and to your listeners. Um, well, the council, which was originally supposed to start at 9 a.m. this morning, has been twice delayed. Um, firstly, the speaker told us, the speaker, Gary Fanitek, told us that he was waiting for a copy of the judgment from this morning, the one you alluded to, and then he recessed until 12, midday. And now, just, just after 12, he did come back again, um, he then told the House or the, 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 the Council that he is now waiting for an original copy of the judgment and then res- uh, made another recess until 1 p.m. So we are still expecting a Council meeting, but yeah, it's, it, mm. it's still the same as this morning. What is the likelihood of Ratif Urdendal being, uh, being voted out here? Look, if, if we are strictly speaking on numbers, um, there is a good likelihood because you will understand that um, the mayor was in a coalition with nine other parties, a coalition of 10 parties, and they had a majority of 62 seats. Um, from what we understand, the ANC has managed to cobble together its own coalition with three of those members moving away from the DA, three of those parties moving away from the DA. Um, from from what we are counting, we are expecting 62, at least 61 councillors to vote out the mayor and vote in a new mayor. 
Ntsikulelo, thank you very much. Ntsikulelo Koryo, politics reporter at the Herald newspaper in Krabeja, speaking to us there. And Ratip Odendal has always said, I'm in the job for as long as I'm in the job for. He always knew that the risk was there, that he could be voted out. And he, he I read an interview where he said he's just getting done what he can get done while he is there. And now it seems as though he could very likely be voted out today. The Midday Report. Well, let's go to Parliament now. Uh, the Standing Committee on Public Accounts has been hearing from the National Security Advisor to the President, Dr. Sidney Mufamadi. This is all to do with the allegations that were made by ESCOM's former CEO, Andre Dureta, about corruption, theft, maladministration, sabotage as well. Lindsay Dentlinger has been following uh, those proceedings today. Lindsay, good afternoon to you. What has Sidney Mufamadi been speaking to Scoper about? Good afternoon, Mandy. Well, I think the two key things really um, coming out from his testimony, which is still ongoing, is about firstly this intelligence report, what it contained, what he knew, did he take it to the president? And then, of course, Mandy, that big elephant in the room that I think got Scopers back us up in the first place and got this whole ball rolling on this uh, quasi-investigation is who are these politicians who are in, allegedly involved in corruption at ESCOM? And right off the bat, um, Mr. Sidney Musulmadi is saying that indeed confirming what Andre Dureta had claimed that he had told uh, Musulmadi and uh, Public Enterprises Minister Pravin Gordon at a meeting that uh, they were allegedly these politicians involved. Um, he did name names, Sidney Musulmadi confirming as much but Mandy, just like Pravin Gordon before him, just be like Andre Dureta before that, no one is prepared to name those names, neither Sidney Musamadi. This is what he told the committee, Mandy. I can't remember the, the various designations that were used. Uh, on one hand, I understand Mr. Dureta talks about high-ranking minister, high-ranking political office bearer. On the other, he talks about a minister. I can at least say, yes, there was a mention of a name or names. Mm-hmm. Dr. Sidney Mufamade not naming the names to Scopa today. Lindsay Dentlinger, EWN reporter, thank you for that. Scopa ultimately will have to decide what to do with these allegations made by Andre Dureta. The Midday Report with Mandy Wiener is brought to you by Nedbank Commercial Banking on 702 and Cape Talk. Nedbank is a licensed FSP and registered credit provider. So earlier today, uh, Dr. Nandipa Magudamana brought an application in the Bloemfontein High Court challenging the lawfulness of her arrest after she was deported from Tanzania with the rapist and killer Tabo Besta last month. Uh, she was saying that uh, she had been kidnapped and uh, that uh, the grounds weren't there for her to be arrested. Khamotsu Modise, EWN reporter, has been following that for us um, because that, pro- that process today has now been postponed. Khamotsu, good afternoon to you. Uh, tell us what happened in court today and why was it postponed? Good afternoon, Mandy. So it was expected to be a shorter appearance, at least when I found out that government hadn't filed their papers um, as late as last night. And so when the matter was heard today, before it was heard, actually, the lawyers um, met to kind of discuss the dates for the the hearing, right, and for the filing of the papers. Um, We learned that the representative 
that has been appointed by the state attorney in the free state would only be filing his papers later on today. I've been making a couple of calls. I understand he still hasn't filed. So as soon as he files those papers, Makudu Mana's lawyers will then be able to file their answering affidavits as well. But a second part in this matter as well, Mandy, is how um, the Home Affairs Minister, you may remember, had actually come out to say, demanded really, that he be made a respondent to this matter, saying it was his department that effected the uh, the, uh, deporting of both Tabobesta and Mandi Pamakurumana. So he didn't understand. He said it was suspect that he wasn't even cited. Um, But we heard from the lawyers today who then submitted or came with a plan which made today's hearing even shorter because they had come to some sort of an agreement. We heard from Advocate Stanley Reynders, who's the legal representative for Makurumana. Let's take a listen to what he had to say. We have prepared a draft order which I intend to hand up to my lord. The position is as follows. Um, my learned colleague, Mr. Masibuku, together with Mr. Snellenberg, who I understand is leading him, um, gave us the assurance that the opposing papers will be filed any moment. So we realized that in those circumstances, we'll have to consider that, obviously discuss that with our client and file a reply if necessary. In the meantime, um, Matsepe's attorneys of, of Bloemfontein also instructed counsel to appear for the Minister um, of the Department of Home Affairs. We have all agreed to a certain order, subject obviously to what my Lord may decide in this matter. Um, may I hand up a copy of the court order that we will ask my Lord to make an order of court? Ultimately, the matter will be postponed with your leave until next Thursday to the opposed role with dates for heads and so forth. We are in my Lord's hands. Yes, May I please? Thank you, my Lord. So, as you heard there, an application brought by Dr. Nandipa Magudamana briefly heard today. It has been postponed. That happened in Bloemfontein. The Midday Report. Sure, we have covered so much news in the last 49 minutes from the transfer of powers from the energy minister to the electricity minister to what's going on with the cholera outbreak in Hamans Kral, various court cases as well, Nelson Mandela Bay coalition protests that are happening. So we're going to just take a, a breath. And I always believe in light and shade when it comes to, to the news. Uh, we do so much uh, heaviness and, and negativity. Uh, so I always like to end off with some good things on a Friday, sport. But I also want to tell you about something that's happening this weekend that caught my eye. So 10 of South Africa's top chefs, uh, a sommelier, some small farmers from Limpopo, uh, Harvesting Heritage, it's an organization working to create empowering market linkages between small producers of heritage food with consumers. They're all coming together uh, with uh, Niederberg Wines and the South African Chefs Association to create a new and unique cooking competition. It's taking place in Brooklyn, uh, Pretoria this weekend. So let's find out more about this uh, with Chef Absa. Chef Absalom Kotsokwane, who's the executive chef and owner at Happy Spoon. Chef Absa, good afternoon to you. Thank you so much for your time. Good afternoon, Wendy. How are you doing? Um, I'm wonderful. I'm happy to be speaking to you and not speaking about about heavy news anymore. So tell us a bit. Uh, tell us a bit about about this competition and what exactly is happening here. So the competition is in Brooklyn, like you say. Um, it's a beautiful partnership with Mirabek, and I should also mention that they're launching a brand new flavored wine which is the, the Heritage Heroes on Saturday as well. 
and you have, like you mentioned, 10 top chefs that will be infusing indigenous ingredients from Strathcarm in Limpopo, and they'll be taking all those ingredients and putting them in the 2023 uh, flavor and appearance and all the good things that you can put on the plate. Mm, sounds amazing. And it's all about new African cuisine. It's all about using yes. um, heritage ingredients as well. If people want to come and attend, how do they find out about you? So it's all over the social media. You can also go to Harvest Heritage um, website. Or you can also get a link through Cricket uh, for the ticket. And you need to click on the, the promo so that you can get a discount and you can put the name of the chef that you want to support and you'll be able to get a discount. Fabulous. Well, thank you so much, uh, Chef Absa. Really appreciate your time today. That's uh, Chef Absalom Kotsukwane speaking to us there about this event taking place at Brooklyn Bridge in Brooklyn in Pretoria this weekend. Uh, it is a chefing competition, but there is a lot uh, that's taking place around it as well. The Midday Report. That's a wrap of the day's news. Don't forget you can catch the full Midday Report live on 702 and Cape Talk via our streams on YouTube and our website 702.co.za and capetalk.co.za. Keep checking in for updates from my colleagues at Eyewitness News. Till the next time, I'm Mandy Wiener. The Midday Report.